From Southern California, this is Outlook in Review, a summary of world headlines, technology and business news, arts and entertainment features, and instructive encouragement from the Praiselite Media Studios, Thousand Oaks, California. Good day, Wednesday, the 8th of May, 2019. At least 41 people were killed on Sunday after a Russian airliner made a hard emergency landing and caught fire at Moscow's Sarametevo Airport. Flight SU-1492 had just taken off for the northern city of Murmansk before it was forced to turn around with 73 passengers and 5 crew members on board. This according to a Fox News report, which stated that some sources reported the plane bounced several times during the landing. The plane apparently did not have time to jettison fuel before the emergency landing. Video aired by Russian news channel Rossiya24 showed passengers leaping from the front of the burning aircraft onto an inflatable slide and staggering across the tarmac to the adjoining grass. According to Russ's RT News, media at first assumed the jet had hit the landing strip, then reports of a lightning bolt hitting the plane appeared, but neither has yet been confirmed. Google announced several new devices and updates at their I.O. keynote event earlier this week. The brand new Pixel 3a and 3a XL went on sale after being announced at the event. The 2a variant phones are considered to be a cheaper edition of their more expensive counterparts, the Pixel 3 and 3XL. Without too many significant sacrifices in quality, the A variants start at about $400 and are available at most carriers around the US. Compare that with $7 or $8 or even $900 for the more expensive versions. Google also announced that the Google Home line will now be rebranded under the Google Nest umbrella, and it also announced a new product for that line, the $229 Nest Hub Max. According to The Verge, the device is essentially a combination of the Nest Camera, a Google Home Hub, and the Google Home Max, offering a security camera, smart display, and loudspeakers all in one single gadget. With several other updates announced to software associated with Google products such as Duplex, Assistant, and Lens, the Google infrastructure continues to grow in features and polish, and these announcements are no exception. In 1922, the first watchmaker license granted to a woman in Holland was issued. She was the daughter of a jeweler and a watchmaker that reportedly was so fascinated by the craft of watchmaking that he often became so engrossed in his own work that he would forget to charge customers for the services. Over the next decade, in addition to working in her father's shop, 
Holland's first licensed female watchmaker, Cory Ten Boom, also established a youth club for teenage girls, which provided religious instruction as well as classes in the performing arts and sewing. Both C and her mother Cornelia, her father Casper, and sister Betsy were Dutch Reformed Christians who believed in serving society as well as offering shelter, food, and money to those in need as a testimony of their Christianity. However, in May of 1940, the Nazis invaded the Netherlands. Among their restrictions was banning the youth club as it was deemed religious and against the new Nazi government. About two years later, someone came knocking on the Ten Boom's door. It was a Jewish woman whose husband had been arrested and whose son had gone into hiding. She had heard that the Ten Booms had helped their Jewish neighbors and asked if they might help her as well. Corey's father readily agreed that she could stay with them despite the police headquarters being only half a block away, and as the months progressed, the whole family became very active in the Dutch underground, hiding Jews, and thus, the Ten Booms began what became known as the Hiding Place. Corey and her sister Betsy opened their home to Jews, both Jews and others who were members of the resistance movement, being sought by the Gestapo and its Dutch counterpart. They had plenty of room, although wartime shortages meant that the food was scarce. However, one evening, Corey went to a man's house who was in charge of ration cards and whose family she had helped in times past. When he asked how many ration cards were needed, in her words, I opened my mouth to say five, but the number that unexpectedly and astonishingly came out was 100. Amazingly, the man gave them to her, which helped them and their work tremendously. Over time, the secret work done at the hiding place became known by the Dutch resistance who helped build a secret room adjacent to Ten Boom's room for Jews in hiding. However, their work, one day, came to a very abrupt ending, as on February 28, 1944, a Dutch informant named John Vogel betrayed the family and their operation to the Nazi government, and at around 12.30pm, the Nazis arrested the entire Ten Boom family. Sadly, just 10 days after their capture, Corey's father died. Although about 30 people were arrested in the Ten Boom household, the six people hidden in the secret room, among them both Jews and resistance workers, remained undiscovered, and a letter was received by Corey in prison which read that, All the watch in your cabinet are safe, meaning the Jews and the underground agents had managed to escape and were now safe. On trial, Cory Ten Boom spoke about her work with the mentally disabled, but the lieutenant of the Nazi government scoffed, as they had been killing mentally disabled individuals for years based on the eugenics ideologies of the Nazis. But Cory defended her work, saying that in the eyes of God, a mentally disabled person could even be more valuable than a watchmaker or a lieutenant. Corey and her sister were transferred, finally, to the German Ravensbrück Women's Labor Concentration Camp. There, they held Christian worship services after each day's labor using a Bible that they had managed to sneak in. But Corey's sister, Betsy's health, was deteriorating, and at the age of 59, on the 16th of December, 1944, Betsy died. Just 15 days later, Corey was released. Afterwards, she was told that her release was due to a clerical error, and only one week later, all the women in her age group were sent to the gas chambers. Corrie ten Boom returned home in the midst of a Dutch famine called the Hunger Winter. Though she had just suffered through an extreme concentration camp, she still opened her doors to the mentally disabled who were hiding in fear of execution. 
After the war, Ten Boom returned to the Netherlands to set up a rehabilitation center, and in 1946, she was able to return to Germany to meet with, and forgive, two of the Germans who had been employed at Ravensbrück and had inflicted so much upon them. In 1977, the 85-year-old Cory immigrated to Placenta, California, where in 1983 she passed away on her 91st birthday. Her story is recounted in the book The Hiding Place, which was also adapted into a film by the same name. All in all, Cory is attributed with saving almost 800 lives, both Jewish and resistance workers, in one of the darkest periods of recent history. In Matthew chapter 6, we read one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. It's part of what is known as the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are two very common misunderstandings of this concept. One defines from this verse that God's will is passive. It utilizes the mindset that whatever will be, will be. Those who believe this end up praying very little at all, assuming that since divine will is inevitable, they must simply go through the motions because they're told to, and praying is commanded in scripture. But this type of viewpoint has no faith. It is fatalistic. As John MacArthur writes in Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, it robs us of the joy of aligning our will with God's and seeing His will done as we pray in faith. And praying with a passive resignation leads to a weak prayer life. It is one that doesn't heed Jesus' instruction in the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, where it says that Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. The other common misconception of God's will is one of twisting. Like we spoke about last week on Anchor LA, some will attempt to twist and coerce God's will to conform to theirs, even attempting to back up their will with out-of-context scripture. At least people, as John MacArthur continues, think of God's will as what he dispenses from his cosmic vending machine. They get whatever they want by inserting a claim on one of his promises. As we see in the Lord's Prayer, however, that type of selfish, me-centered concept is struck down time and again as Jesus teaches us how to pray. The genuine prayer focuses on the name, kingdom, and the will of God. Yes, God is sovereign, but Jesus tells us to pray for his will to be done, just like in James 5 when it tells us to pray for each other so that we may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Al Mohler said it this way when discussing the recent school shooting in El Paso, Texas, and the automatic response of so many there to pray. Immediately after news of the shootings broke on Friday morning, there were assurances of prayer, urgent, multiple, 
And of course, this is where Christians understand that is a right response. It is at least a right first response. We understand that the impulse of prayer is absolutely right under all conditions. And in a situation of such urgency as this, our hearts immediately go out to the hearts of all others, especially those who are closest to the tragedy and those whose lives have been most affected by the tragedy. And of course, prayer goes out beyond that to those whose lives may very well be hanging even then in the balance. And of course, beyond that, Christians are praying for all those who are enduring and experiencing this kind of tragedy. May we be encouraged, not discouraged by the gift of prayer. May we seek and desire His will above all things, knowing that it is for our good and no amount of coercion or trying to overlay our will over His will result in satisfaction or true joy. May we as followers of Jesus Christ commune with our Savior in prayer, knowing that with God as our leader we have nothing to fear, no desires or needs which will go unknown, and there can be no thing that can ever occur that is out of his control. And as followers of Christ, may we never discount the importance and the wonderful gift of direct communion with God through prayer. Thanks for listening to Outlook in Review. Contact us anytime with questions or comments. We'd always love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at Outlook in Review and Facebook.com forward slash Outlook in Review, where you can find information to various topics we cover on the show. Until next time from Thousand Oaks, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Outlook in Review. Outlook in Review.